Good evening. evening. Uh, Welcome as we come um, on this Good Friday, uh, focusing uh, around the cross tonight. A fairly uh, reflective and quiet service uh, this evening as we cast our thoughts um, towards uh, Calvary. Um, Our services will continue um, on Sunday at half past ten as normal with an Easter uh, Day communion. Um, At the end of our service tonight, we will, um, during the last song, some of the lights will be turned off as we focus um, onto the cross. And indeed, um, then during, after that, I'm going to read a portion of scripture um, which narrates that little bit uh, from Mark's gospel um, of the death of Jesus. Um, And on this solemn night, then we leave in quietness, um, downcast in the sense the way the first disciples would have been as they left the cross, um, as they placed Jesus uh, in the tomb. Uh, waiting. Um, unlike them, we know that we're waiting for something different on Sunday, um, and there is a new hope, uh, but it just gives us a sense of the gravity um, of that first Good Friday as we do that. Uh, so indeed, welcome if you are here uh, with us in person or indeed um, online tonight. Uh, we're going to start by reading um, some verses uh, from the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 53, um, as Isaiah the prophet prophesied the coming Messiah. Who believes what we've heard and seen? Who would have thought of God's saving power would look like this? The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over. A man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We look down on him, but the fact is that our pains was what he carried, our disfigurements, all the things that were wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sin that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins that did that. He took the punishment and that made us whole. Through his bruises we get healed because we're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, we've gone our own way and God has piled all our sins, everything that we've done wrong on him, on his shoulders. He was beaten, he was tortured, but he didn't say a word. Like a lamb taken to be slaughtered and like a sheep being sheared, he took it all in silence. Justice was miscarried and he was led off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own welfare, beaten bloody for the sins of my people. They buried him with the wicked, threw him in a grave with a rich man. And even though he'd never heard a soul or said one word that wasn't true, still it's what God had in mind all along, to crush him with pain. The plan was that he give himself as an offering for sin so that he'd see life come from it. Life, life, and even more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. Out of that terrible travail of a soul, he'll see that it's worth it and be glad that he did. But what we experienced, my righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones. And he himself carries the burdens of their sins. Therefore, I'll reward him extravagantly the best of everything, the highest of honours, because he looked death in the face and he didn't flinch, because he embraced the company of the lowest, 
he took on his own shoulders the sins of many. He took up the cause of all the black sheep. Let us pray. Father God, as we come before you tonight, mindful of that prophecy many hundreds of years before the death of your son, we come before you knowing that you are sovereign and in control this evening, that you are working out your plan, a beautiful and perfect plan. Lord, as we step into your presence tonight, as we set time aside to still ourselves, to quiet ourselves, to be in your presence, we pray that we will be transformed and renewed and refreshed by your Holy Spirit. In your name. Amen. We hear uh, our scripture reading tonight, which comes uh, from the Gospel of Mark, um, chapter 15, and begins at verse 21. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And when they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. And read his notice of the charge against him read, The king of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, Come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling for Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion, who stood there in front of Jesus, heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. And so in the story of Easter, we reach the central character of Jesus on the cross. As we've done during all of this series, we take a different character in each of the moments. And tonight we're going to look at Simon of Cyrene. And we've already looked at Mary. We've seen that she pondered his death, that she wept. At, uh, she pondered his birth, she wept at his death, and she rejoiced at his resurrection. We saw that Thomas may have had doubts, but eventually faith one through. We saw on Sunday that the crowd 
the decision is made to the bigger questions of life and the quietness of our hearts rather than the noise of the moment. And the lines in the sand that we draw are made by decisions that we've already made before we get swayed by the crowd around us. And last night we looked at Judas. And we asked that question, who are we turning to to be fulfilled? And tonight we look at Simon of Cyrene. Simon of Cyrene would have been part of the pilgrimage in the festival throng. The streets of Jerusalem uh, on this day would have been filled with people. And we would have called them almost sightseers, the, the pilgrims. Remember we looked at the Psalms of Ascent a number of months ago, uh, and they were a journeyed all the way up to Jerusalem. This was one of the festivals that they were journeying towards. And so the city of Jerusalem would have been bustling with people, jostling with people. And whenever something like this was happening, the, the, the men walking through the streets, Jesus walking through the street, uh, crying across, stumbling as he went. Uh, there have been people jostling through the crowd to get to the front to see what was going on. And we can almost imagine Simon being one of those people pushing through the crowd, gathered on the side of the street to see at the front what it was that was going on. This is the same festival throng that Jesus would have been a part of as a child as he journeyed to Jerusalem year on year. Do you remember he got lost in the temple uh, and they couldn't find him? That this would have been the festival that he was heading towards having said that having said of all the happiness and the, the noise the clamor the excitement that would have been in Jerusalem around this festival it would have been such a terrible night for Jesus since Jesus washed his disciples feet in humility in that upper room he has been betrayed by Judas He'll be disowned by Peter. He was bound, tied, whipped, beaten, and flogged. He was mocked, derailed, and belittled. He was brought before an illegitimate court on trumped-up charges. He'd been sentenced to death. And now he finds himself staggering through the streets, bearing the weight of a cross that is crushing him because of the wounds that has already been inflicted on him. This cross would have been a huge burden to bear. Yet a greater burden is coming at noon on the same day. Whenever the skies closed in and the darkness falls over the whole of the earth, we find it in verse 33, at the sixth hour, Darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. That would have been quite a spectacle, actually. That's high noon. That's whatever the sun's at its brightest. But now it's pitch black. You can almost imagine the excitement in the crowd, the gasps. The excitement turning to gasps of horror, of wonder what is going on. Maybe of children beginning to cry because of the fear that is around them. But we know that that darkness symbolizes the sins of the whole world, your sin, my sin, the sin of the whole world encompassed into the blackness and the darkness of that moment. So it is all beginning to rest on the soldiers. <laughs> soldiers? What am I looking for? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? On his shoulders, that's it. Can you get that word out? On his shoulders, um, the sins of the whole world resting on the shoulders of Jesus. The symbolism of that is great. 
But it's not just symbolism. It is a reality. But before that, before that darkness comes, before the sins of the world sit on the shoulders, a stranger steps into the midst of this. Now, remember, he's been betrayed by Judas, disowned by Peter, maligned and mocked by everyone else. Jesus is beginning to be left all on his own. And suddenly, a stranger steps in. Jesus had prayed alone in the garden. He stood solitary at his trial, silent before his accusers. He was the only one to receive punishment and mocking. The others who would be crucified with him didn't receive that same treatment before they were put on a cross. Yet someone travels those last few steps with Jesus. The scriptures tell us that Simon didn't put his hand up and say, I want to help that man. The scriptures tell us that the soldiers grabbed him and brought him out of the crowd. But there must have been something about Simon. There must have been, Simon must have been almost hanging over the crush barrier. He must have stood out in the crowd for the soldier, the soldier, <laughs> to grab him, take him, and say, it's you. This is your moment. But for a short time, someone is now walking with Jesus. Someone else is feeling the weight of the cross. I wonder, have you ever felt the weight of a burden that feels far, far too heavy to carry? Verse 34. In the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why, has you for, why have you forsaken me there? In and of itself is the burden that Jesus is carrying. The Son of God, the triune God, fully God, fully human, and suddenly he is left alone, if you like. But he needed to be left alone. The Father needs to turn his face away from Jesus as he carries the sins of the whole world on his shoulders on the cross. Because the Father turns away because he can no longer look at the cause and the murkiness of the sin. He can no longer look at the punishment that is being laid on his son for you and for me. He turns away so that that can happen. Jesus felt the separation. We have sins for this kind of thing, don't we? We all, we all have our crosses to bear. That's a phrase that we use quite a bit, isn't it? We all have our crosses to bear. The sense that there's a burden upon us that we feel is weighing us down, that we're dragging up the street behind us, if you like. Yet this is somehow different. Simon may have felt the weight of the cross, but ultimately the only is one person who could bear the weight of the sins of the whole world, and that is Jesus Christ. I cannot bear the weight of my sins. They are too grievous for me to try to wriggle out of them and do something about them for myself. It is only because of his death on a cross that I am forgiven, and you too. 
as you read through the gospel, you'll see that whenever someone draws alongside Jesus, there's a sense, not that if you do something for Jesus, you get a reward, not that you do things to get a reward, but there's a sense in some of the stories that that's what happens. The woman at the well, she receives salvation. The centurion and his son receives healing. And this story, there's a little glimpse of, of what happens for Simon as he helps Jesus, as he journeys with Jesus, as he begins to believe in Jesus. And we can walk past this. Actually, I've walked past it quite a number of times. Um, but it was struck afresh as I prepared for tonight about it. Let me read. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. The hint at the reward for Simon is in that first. And at first glance, it really doesn't seem like it. A man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by from the country and they forced him to carry the cross. That seems as if there's no reward at all in there. What's important about that first? You see, in the gospel stories that have been written, Remember the Gospels are written about A.D., 70, 90 and, and all of that. So the early church has begun to be formed. And so whenever the Gospels name people specifically, there's a reason for it because they are known to the early church. This is Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Alexander and Rufus' children must have played a part in the early church. Simon, having walked with Jesus, having seen what is happening to Jesus, believed in Jesus and we see him later in the stories of the early church being a part of it and he begins to pass faith on to the next generation of his family he passes faith and legacy into the next generation and so the reward for Simon stepping in and believing in Jesus is that his family has salvation and receives forgiveness for their sins what a blessing His family is adopted into the family of God because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And that's the beauty of the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know that. We are adopted as his sons and daughters who become heirs and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. One more thing about Simon. The opportunity to bear the cross came unexpectedly. As I said before, I don't think Simon thought, I'll go into Jerusalem today and I'm going to carry a cross for somebody. I'll put my hand up. That'll be a wonderful thing to do. No. The soldiers grabbed him and pulled him out into the street. It happened unexpectedly. But there was opportunity in it. I don't know about you, but often whenever things happen to me unexpectedly, whether that's a disruption to my day and you've all your day planned out of what you're going to do X, Y, and Z, and you think, I have so much to do today. I have no space for those disruptions. And then all of a sudden, a disruption comes in and knocks the apple cart over. Or maybe the unexpected happens in your life and a, a tragedy or a, a circumstance that feels as if it's a huge burden to bear arrives at your door and you're not expecting it to be there. I wonder, do we see those as opportunities to invite Jesus in our journey? Do we see those opportunities of, what is God going to do in this moment? 
This wasn't the plan that I had. But what's God doing right now, right here, whenever he invades our lives, whenever he disrupts our plans? Because the question is about our attitude to the circumstances around us. Simon probably could have fought off some of the soldiers and said, I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it. And there were so many people he could have slipped off into the crowd and got away, but he didn't. And now himself and two of his sons are named as key players in the story of Easter and in the life of the early church. Do we see the interruptions of our day as opportunities or something to grumble or complain about? Whenever I was growing up, uh, my mum had done a little um, cross-stitch um, black frame, um, so many flowers on it, a little house. Um, and it hung um, in a wee uh, house we grew up in. It was a tight wee stairs coming down, and there was a little bit above the stairs as you go down. There was a big space up there. So it was hanging there. And it said, Do not grumble or complain. God sends the sunshine after the rain. Um, and it was intentionally hung there so we would see it every morning going down the stairs. And I remember some mornings coming down the stairs. I know it's hard to believe, but coming down the stairs and getting to the breakfast table and being a little bit grumpy. I know that's very hard for you to believe that I would be like that. Um, and I remember it clear as day, my mother saying, go back up the stairs and look up before you come down. And she meant read the little thing, the little framed picture. But there was more in the looking up than just reading the framed picture. There was a casting my eyes heavenward to the opportunities that God would give me that day. Not to grumble and complain, but to see that God sends the sunshine after the rain. So on this Good Friday, can we be assured that our sins have been forgiven because of the cross of Calvary? The finished work of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Whenever he alone steps into our lives and we receive him as saviour. Our sins are forgiven, our slates are wiped clean and a new life is ready for us. So on this Good Friday, assured of the beautiful finished work of the cross of Calvary, let's look for opportunities to leave a legacy in the world around us so that the beauty of the cross might shine brightly for more lives. What shall I do then with the one that you call the King of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion stood there in front of Jesus, heard his cry and saw how he had died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. 